0: Hello and welcome to another sub. <laughs> I'm never going to get this right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. I'm Alec Mappa and I I lost the Zoom meeting. I can't find it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what? Oh, you're
0: on it. We're here. Here I am. Here, I am. here you are. Hello. And, and who are you, and,
2: and I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm the psychotherapist here for the show today.
0: <laughs> now, if you're just tuning in, it's always this perfect. It's always this pristine. Smooth and as butter. Smooth as a gravy sandwich. We are the Mental Health Podcast. That's going to save the world (laughs) one hot mess at a time. Here, we've discussed vulnerability, authenticity, Mm -hmm. uh, 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 all the things you're you're afraid to say out loud. Um, Like, for instance, I just turned 56 last Saturday. Whoa! 56
2: years old. You look beautiful.
0: Thank you. So I've seen a thing or two. Yes. And I've lived through, I'm realizing now, um, a friend of mine who's an editor uh, uh, wants me to write a book. Oh. He's a big time editor in New York City. And I'm like, I, what? My story is not complete. What am I going to talk about? He goes, you've lived through so many different eras and been so many different people. Yeah. And you've survived so many th- different things. And I think that's what life is about. You look back and go, oh, shit, I went through that. Yeah. And don't you find now, Matthew, like when you do you ever like find yourself worried or anxious about something, but your life experience tells you it's going to work out.
2: Yes, I, that's the best part about getting a little bit older is having enough evidence, having enough uh, point of reference to look back on that can help you, you know, kind of quell any of the emotional stuff that could stirred up like the fears.
0: Right, right. I mean, big time. I mean, it's kind of like, I'm finding now that more and more I can't get myself worked up about a lot. I'm Mm kind of like, come on, really? Uh It's going to work out because you've seen it work out.
2: Yeah. Is there something recent that's happened to you where you otherwise, you would have spun about it if you were like 20, but now you've got enough to pull from? um,
0: Well, you know, I had that pilot. I did a pilot with Alec Baldwin and Kelsey Grammer. um, And it was the pilot you know yes. during pilot season they're always like this is the hot show mm. christopher lloyd wrote it and um and it didn't get picked up and i'm kind of good now because my perspective is that's just another job I did. Okay, but, but wait
2: I, a minute, wait a minute, but how did, okay, so like walk us through it mm-hmm. though. So what, so obviously when it did not get picked up, what mm-hmm. was the shit that immediately got triggered for you and, and stuff you had to um, I'm through?
0: never gonna work again, this was my big chance and yeah. I, it's gone, it's gone forever.
2: Yeah. It's gone forever. Yeah.
0: And what, what- How long
2: did that last for that, you know, kind I'm of- I'm still going that through narrative. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm in the middle of it right now. I'm
0: still <laughs> upset. No, um, <laughs> Uh, I'd say a good, I say a good week where I didn't kind of where I was really kind of like, I'm fine. I, you know, whatever. And I was just kind of, I minimized everything.
2: Okay. A week of denial. And then, yeah.
0: And then I would say three weeks later, I got real sad. Yeah. And then uh, a month out, I got real angry about it. Like yeah. and angry at the universe. Like, oh, come on. Yeah. Just come on, throw yep. me a goddamn bone. Yeah. And then I remember I've I've been in so many pilots that were the hot pilot. The last pilot I did was for um, Tina Fey and I did a pilot with Jason Bateman. And I, you know, it's kind of like, this is normal. This yes. is kind of most pilots don't get picked up. And garbage gets picked up.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, no,
0: but, yeah.
2: But you just, I mean, you just described, you just described the, like, you know, several of the stages of, of, grief. of grief, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like denial, mm-hmm. there's anger, there's bargaining, depression, and finally mm-hmm. acceptance. It mm-hmm. actually kind of makes me think of, uh, this is something that I've totally taken away from the show that we did with Tom Lank. The comedian mm-hmm. Tom Lang and he mm-hmm. talked about how he's at he's at the stage of his life now where he's already had a few moments of 15 minutes of fame, right? Like mm-hmm. those those few kind of uh, uh, hills. And so he knows what it's like on the other side. And so yes. he knows how to manage it. So then when it comes up again, he doesn't give it too much attention when Mm -hmm. it goes down again he doesn't give it too much attention he knows how to just show up and do his thing and then just kind of let you know let the chips fall where they may right Um, he gets to pull from past experience
0: and and like what you know when i'm working now and you know when they say oh this is going to be huge there's i'm kind of like i will smile and in I, i won't say it out loud but in my head i'm going we'll see We'll see (laughs) that little ER. We'll see. Prove it. We'll (laughs) see. Uh, But, you know, it's, it's the, (laughs) I think what's fixed me or fixed my thinking of it is you said earlier when we were talking about it, it's your attachment to results. And yes. I did have a huge attachment to results of like, I'm going to remodel my kitchen. Uh, ba-da, 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 I'm going to buy this. And then, uh, yeah. you know, it, and I had to let go of that. And also just kind of knowing that life goes on no matter yep. what. It just, yeah. I continue working miraculously, no matter what, because that's been my life experience.
2: Okay, wait a minute, because we are actually kind of chatting about this a little bit, n- knowing that we were going to be talking about longevity and what with it Lorraine takes to have longevity. Lorraine, Lorraine Newman is our yeah. guest today. I'm so excited. I am too. And so we were talking about some of the things that you know that it takes for that but it's interesting that, you know, you mentioned that it was miraculous, miraculous that you keep working. Is it mm-hmm. miraculous? I mean, it's, it's great that there have been opportunities, but is it entirely just miraculous opportunities you, or what does it specifically take from you in order to keep going?
0: I think there are ways to work well in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. There are ways to interview well and audition well, and I know how to do those things. Okay, I know how to come in with a certain degree of t- detachment
2: uh-huh. and kind
0: of do those things well. But the mathematical probability of being a gay Asian guy who consistently works as much as I do is yeah. miraculous. That's kind of miraculous in itself.
2: Well, you know what? I mean, sure, yes, I hear you. Because nobody I, begged I, me
0: to I, enter yes. this business. Nobody was well, like, well, oh, I mean,
2: we got to have you. I know. Well, I mean, that's the thing is that the, the odds are stacked against you for a number of reasons, but you kept having some of these opportunities, but you were the one who found opportunities and kept going. Oprah calls luck when hard work meets opportunity. So yes, the opportunity did exist. Yes. But also you put so much of your own hard work into it. And it's, I don't happen to think it's just about having the particular skill set of, of knowing how to be or how to put it on. It's also a certain kind of like inner working of how to be able to champion yourself, be able to f- be aware of attachments that you have, know how to release those attachments, keep showing up, set your intentions. Are you, you saying nice things, things to me?
0: Are you being yes, nice to me? Yes, you're that,
2: not so bad. That
0: makes me want to crawl into your lap and just snuggle.
2: Come, come. Here we go. Virtual.
0: Come come for daddy. (laughs) We have we have Lorraine Newman today who has been a hero of mine forever and we've worked together a couple times. She's like uh, and, and she's the perfect subject for the t- today's theme of yeah. longevity. Yes, uh, because she has had so many incarnations as as a performer, and it, yeah. it's just—it's. I, I have nothing but admiration for her. Now, in your biz, yes, you're never going to become obsolete. Nobody's ever going to go, "Oh, well, he's too old to be a therapist, or he's not attractive enough to be a therapist."
2: Wow, was there <laughs> was there a question in there? <laughs> <laughs> there, no, there's a certain no, I mean, yes of yes, job yes. security. There's, like I you mean, that's something more that's...
0: cosmeticians will work all the time. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> who works with dead people.
2: Yeah, I mean, luckily I'm in a profession where it, it works in my favor. The longer I do it, then the more people, you know, maybe have like some trust in my ability to do the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it, just for myself, my ability to keep this work sustainable for me has mm. everything to do with my approach to it. Because if I'm coming into it with an ego and thinking like, I have the answer. I'm gonna tell everybody, you know how to fix their lives. That's not sustainable because I'm gonna lose my shit every time somebody doesn't do what I think they should do. Oh,
0: I never thought of it that
2: way. But if my intention is set right, where I don't have attachment, to people like heeding my advice or kind of following guidance, mm-hmm. but I know how to just show up that the work isn't showing up. The work isn't showing up. It's in being available for the thing that I care about. And that I feel passionately about, which is doing oh, therapy okay. and, and that, then that's what makes it sustainable. So that's, that's my work. That's the now, work did that you, I do did, to did make it Did you arrive at
0: that as trial and error? Did you, or, or have you gone in? Have you ever had an ego driven session where you are like, okay, that Me, would, I could be better at that.
2: I would be fine and lying to you if I said that there wasn't some ego there. Um, mm-hmm. And it happens sometimes, you know, and but I'm aware of it. I know how to own it. I'm not pretending that ego doesn't exist. We're all human beings. Mm-hmm. So we have some ego that's going to, you know, that that's rears its ugly head sometimes, mm-hmm. but enough to be able to check it, not, you know, spin about it and then like release it, you know, like, and, and be able to realign like, okay, I'm getting a little too attached to, you know, them needing to do what I think they should do. Right. Let me bring it back and make sure that I'm just here. I'm listening to them. I'm checking back in. I'm like with them. I'm not talking at them. I'm talking with them. So, yeah, so, but that's the practice. You know, Lexapro has that. also
0: helped me release things. Lexapro, <laughs> the pill, a drug.
2: And, and
0: Dulcolax. And Dulcalax. Um <laughs> Side effects may include uncontrolled bowel movements. And the, no, wait, no, uh, what was it? My favorite was uh, side effects. Side effects may include uh, increased bowel movements and the inability to control them. <laughs>
2: I love it. I love it. Hot uh, mess with Alec Mappa. Yes, side effects yes, may include. Yes.
0: Um, no, the, what the Lexapro does for me, Mm -hmm. because I have a OCD head Mm -hmm. is it lets me let go of things. It, it lets me let go of things. Our producer <laughs> just texted me anal no, leakage. No, oh, was that Lorraine, from Lorraine, Ta- Lorraine. Okay, Ta- listen, we, we can't keep her waiting any longer. We kept <laughs> yes. her waiting three minutes before the show started. She's so getting so anal
2: leakage. We, bring her in. If you
0: <laughs> are tuning in for the first time, thank you for being here. If you're a returning listener, thank, thank you. <laughs> Don't forget to download and subscribe to Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey Psychotherapist. Yeah. Uh, streaming wherever um, uh, podcasts are are streamed. And we'll be right back, Matthew. Yes Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. <laughs> Ain't a
2: leakage. <laughs> Ain't a leakage. I've
1: had a, a, some experience with Dolcalax.
2: Oh! <laughs> and,
1: um, <laughs> ooh. There, you know, just listening to you guys talking, there were so many things. I wish I could have been part of that conversation. But <laughs> well, you're oh, part yeah, of we'll the conversation now, yeah. but, you know, we have to do our, our fabulous intro to yes. you. So let's read that real quick let's and then we'll get that. to data right. leakage
0: as soon as possible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Our guest today is a comedian icon. She's a founding member of the Groundlings and original cast member of Saturday Night Live. She's also a writer, performer, and incredible voiceover talent with a whopping four octave range. You can hear
0: her in the new Netflix animated show, Ridley Jones, and listen to her Audible original memoir. May you live in interesting times. Please welcome to the show, my dear friend, Lorraine Newman.
2: Yay! Yay!
0: Thank you, men.
1: You've been you. a part of my life
0: for so long. Oh, um, I My my showbiz dreams were born watching you. Um, well,
1: the first time I worked with you, Alec, I was just dazzled. I didn't know you. Um, we did this benefit, and we've done this same show more than yes, once. More this than benefit once. to raise money for the LGBTQ uh, center mm-hmm. on, what's, on Las Palmas? Is that? Yes, on Las
0: Palmas <laughs> in West Hollywood. And
1: it's a live reading of Valley of the Dolls. And, of course— Alex Neely, right? Uh huh. I was was Ann
0: Wells. I was, I was, that's Ann Wells, Wells, of course.
1: Ann Wells. And I mean, I had just never seen anything like it. And (laughs) you guys were talking about longevity and, and just how, how you have to walk through, you know, success, failure, success, failure, success, failure. And the thing is that as long as you are, One of a kind, which is what Alec is. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nobody funny in the way that he is funny, you know, and that's why he continues to work.
0: Oh, my God. I'm going to cry this early in the show (laughs) because (laughs) I used to watch you in the eighth grade and I'd stay up late. And you know what I would think as my favorite part of the show? Well, I love the show, but my favorite part of SNL as an eighth grader as a middle schooler, I would watch you guys waving goodbye to the audience with the jazz music coming up in the background. And I would think, where are they going?
1: <laughs> where are well, they going to hang out
0: in a bar afterwards? Yeah. And so and many now places. I realized where you went. You just went off and did a whole bunch of drugs and stuff. And
1: well there was also there was the after party because we were mm-hmm. usually starving. So we would go to one Fifth Avenue. That was like the first like that was really where we ended up for the One Fifth Avenue
0: all the way down in the village?
1: Uh, I don't even remember where the thing was. It's you know? right just, out. It's
0: right by Washington Square. So because, okay. yeah, yeah,
1: that's where we're. And, Fancy. you know, all we wanted was to eat, mm-hmm. you know, because it'd been a while since we'd had dinner. Um, but then it became just like, you know, just like so many stars and, and, you know, powerful people were there. And we had just gotten through slaying the late night dragon. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to continue to work. Mm. You know, mm. so I think we kind of dropped off from that, and I know Danny and John got this bar, the Blues Bar, which I always think of when I ever when I saw Train Spotting and they said the filthiest toilet in Scotland. Yes, mm. they haven't seen the toilet at the Blues Bar. <laughs> <laughs> you, you ain't seen nothing yet. Oh, you ain't seen nothing, honey. Um <laughs> And, you know, but that became an incredible thing because, you know, people like David Bowie and Keith oh, Richards and wow. James Taylor and all these people would just drop in and jam, you know. Mm, yeah. And then, of course, the depressing part was that when you left, it was light out. Yeah.
2: Side. <laughs> um, and that,
1: of course, is there's got to be a morning after. Yes, You're you know, young <laughs> enough to have the cellular
0: recovery to do that. <laughs> yeah. I remember leaving the saint in the, um, there's there's a gay club called the Saint in the East Village, and I remember leaving, and it was eleven o'clock it, during the day. Wow! Yeah,
1: yeah I <laughs> never want to live that time That's again. That's not no. supposed to happen. That's those fucking birds. Can I? You yes. can fuck. You can yes. say fuck. You can. Yeah, say the tripping you want. birds and the yeah. sun coming out. <laughs> to hell with that.
0: And but what's what's remarkable to me is that. You lived through that era and were witness to so many things. And you didn't and you had you you. I listened to your uh, podcast with Mark Marin. You're one of those people who did coke and it kind of eased you out. It relaxed you. Mm. Yes. I just I'm so fascinated by that because oh, because Robin Williams was the other person who said that coke did that for them.
1: It's if you have, I mean, it's so overused, but if you really have ADD or ADHD, it's like the hair of the dog that bit you. That's how things like that. That's how Adderall works. It's the Mm -hmm. same thing. And that's why it worked great for me for my writing. And then I kind of outgrew the need for it. But if I had had it like in school and even for that part of my life, it would have been A really different story um, because I could focus, you know, and I could calm down and really like, you know, because when you have ADD, you're forced to become very myopic because things distract you so easily. Mm -hmm. And it gives you a very narrow vision of it, it affects your writing. It affects your performing. It affects your ability to interact with people. You know, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but I had to really stop myself from interrupting people because I was so afraid I would forget what I had to say, <laughs> which mm. was so important. <laughs> um, well, that's the thing no. about code too. is like
0: everything you have to say is incredibly important.
1: Yeah, especially yeah. when you're 23. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> but Matt, you've never had a real
0: big party phase, did you? Did you ever have a, like in your New York City days, did you ever have your uh, kind of
2: like, woo <laughs> Uh, I've had some fun. I wouldn't say that I've kind of gone through any intense, you know, kind of uh, periods where I was, you know, doing this stuff all Mm. the time, but I've definitely had fun.
0: Oh, way way to maintain a professional (laughs) veneer. Very good. We'll talk after the show. I don't have a
1: record. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah.
0: Coke was the only drug I ever did where uh, it turned me into a sociopath. It was kind of like, I know this is bad. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I know this isn't the best thing for me. I know this is changing my personality in ways that aren't altogether great. And I didn't care. And that's why I quit. Because I would see the personalities of long-term users actually change, where it was like, I don't even know who you are anymore.
1: Mm. Well, I think also that was what was attractive to people um, who had, you know – their own emotional pathology if I can use that term mm-hmm. incorrectly Matthew, mm-hmm. just say when <laughs> yes. um, but you know, we want to shut down that that committee that's talking to us, telling us you know, yeah. you're worthless you're stupid, you're you know, you're never going to achieve anything that you want to achieve mm-hmm. you know, those yeah. voices I call that Hope, common would, sense <laughs> Well, I never. Um, you know, uh, it silenced that. I mean, it, it served yeah. that purpose, too, for people. And, you know, I think that's what you're referring to, Alec, when you talk about how it would cut you off from any kind of, from what you're, it sounds like you're saying conscience, mm-hmm. but it also cut me off from any kind of introspection, which right. was, you know, at that time, not a safe place to be.
2: Right. Yeah. When the, when the noise that goes on within us can just be so dark and can be so heavy, we don't really want to go there. We have to go there if we ever want to be able to rewrite those narratives for ourselves, but that's a really difficult thing. And it's also really overwhelming if we don't have the tools to know how to do that. So there, there are for sure different things that we can do in order to just kind of like stay more on the surface. Obviously substances can do that Coke or Adderall, really any kind of stimulants really helps to just kind of like hyper-focus and kind of streamline our thought process so that we then can be really clear so that we can just kind of like stay where we need to be. Um, but again, it also keeps us from, you know, healing some of the other stuff. Lorraine, what what about for you? What At what point then were you able to like, you know, move away from Coke and find other ways of managing some of that noise for yourself?
1: Well, I really think that when I came back from uh, New York, I had a kind of PTSD And I wanted nothing more than to just kind of stay in my home and do coke and play solitaire and smoke cigarettes because I never drank. Mm. So I would just like, I never drank alcohol. So I would read, you know, like The Ascent of Man by Jacob Bernowski. Do I remember it? No. (laughs) But, you know, I would read and eat to come down from coke. But the thing is that I, I really just wanted to have nothing to do with life. I wanted, didn't want to think or feel. I just wanted to die, you know. It just wasn't happening fast enough because I was so healthy.
2: Right, right.
1: Um, so what happened was I had this the, the moment of clarity. I had an audition, and most all of my auditions were terrible. I, I'm a terrible auditioner. Really? Oh, God, yes. I and, would think as a uh,
0: groundling yes and improv queen. You'd be able to. Yeah, I would too.
1: Well, the thing is, and everybody hates it when I say this, I did not know I was auditioning for SNL because Lorne Michaels was in the audience and I didn't know it. Oh. I, when, I fir- when he first hired me for a Lily Tomlin special, he and Lily were in the audience at the Groundlings and I didn't know they were there.
2: Oh. Had I known,
1: I think my oh. life would have taken a different path entirely.
2: Oh, so they just they just showed up at the groundlings then. It wasn't they, they even like you went a, in for the audition.
1: Exactly. They came to the show.
0: You were like Richard Dreyfus and Goodbye Girl. You were discovered doing an improv show.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really have just an abject fear of it. I, I mm-hmm. really don't work much on camera anymore unless somebody gives me a job because I just I can't do it. But the thing is that um I'd had this audition, I knew it was bad. My agent called me. God, Michael Black. Do you know Michael Black? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He's one of the funniest I mean, I had that was my big complaint, was he was funnier than me. <laughs> but uh he called and he said, uh, how'd it go? And I said, I sucked. And he says, Good. I I wanna make sure that you were aware of that because <laughs> I gotta tell you, honey, they called me and it's wanted to Jesus know what was wrong with you. I want to know what was wrong with you. And they said, you know, they thought maybe you were anorexic because I was like 85 pounds. Oh, wow. And I was so indignant. It was like, I'm not anorexic. I'm a coke addict, damn it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, I, I didn't have an eating disorder. I was a thin person with a coke habit. Right. right. Mm. But I realized that this door to the world, this last door to the world outside of my house was going to close. Mm. And that's oh, when I thought, you know, I still, I want to live. I do want to live. I do want to be a part of the world. And so um, my dealer referred uh, me to a therapist <laughs> who told me, I swear to God,
2: wow. she referred
1: me to a therapist. The therapist said, I cannot treat you until you get sober, which was the first time any therapist had ever said that to me. Yeah. And she referred me to a Catholic priest and he referred me per- to Brotman Memorial mm-hmm. Chemical Dependency Unit. That was April 28th, 1987. Wow. And I just, I had no expectation. I just wanted to learn how to use drugs like normal people. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: uh, I didn't know I was going to get AA, but I was willing to do anything. Yeah. To to be able to come back to life.
2: Yeah. Lorraine, our producer was telling us actually about how, uh, when you guys got to chat a little bit before the show, that you kept referring to some of the successes that you've had and, and how you've been able to move forward as dumb luck, that it was, there, there were just all these opportunities that kept coming up. And that was something Alec and I were talking about at the top of the show, too. Um, but when you're describing that whole process, It's great that there were some of these opportunities, you know, some you have a friend who's giving you some perspective, you've got the therapist and the drug dealer referring you to the therapist. So that's great. But also none of that would happen if you weren't able to show up for yourself in that way, if you didn't have an openness and take all Mm -hmm. of those steps. So how do you reconcile that then with the idea of just dumb luck, but also it was like your ability to do it?
1: Well, I think that um, I've always been ruled by my passions for things and fascination with things. And so even, you know, like coming back from uh, SNL, uh, I kind of floated along, but I continued to learn my craft because people were doing these stage shows and they'd ask me and I'd say yes. Uh, I, I joined San Francisco Sketch Fest and did this show Celebrity Autobiography and, yeah. you know, did all these shows at Sketch Fest. And it was my pleasure to do these things. It was my passion and fascination that I had proximity to new stuff that was happening. And because of that, I was asked to join. So in that sense, you know... Because of my interest in these things, I was in the right place to be able to, Mm -hmm. you know, participate in these new forms of comedy and these new shows. So that is what I would account for is just like following your interests.
2: Well, and I have to tell you both of this, actually, because I think that this is something that a lot of like very creative people a lot of times just miss is the fact that to even have that awareness of the things that are your passions and the courage to be able to follow it and keep following it and keep investing into it. I think you guys, it's like, if that's just kind of organically how you've been throughout life, you just kind of take it as like, oh, well, that's just how you do it. But there are so many people that come in for therapy with me. And that's the work we're doing is how can we get them to be brave enough to start actually cracking that shell and go there? So. It's something that I I want to just like really reinforce for you guys and anybody else that's listening that's kind of similar is that that is such an incredible and enormous strength. And that's not just something that's just like an automatic thing that comes from the the core of who you are and your ability to keep showing up and loving yourselves in that way to be able to express the kind of most authentic parts of yourself. That is a huge, huge asset
0: i I just wanted people to notice me
2: yeah
0: <laughs> listen i I'm, I'm could I'm, anybody not i'm i'm yeah. the third i'm yeah. the third out of four kids. And I think by the time I I was like, there's a billion baby pictures of my older brother and sister. And by the time I came around, it was like, go play in the traffic. And then I think my parents saw me when I was born and then they saw me at my high school graduation. Now you grew up, (laughs) you're a native Californian as well, correct? Yes, I am. And uh, you you talk a lot about your, your self-esteem as as a person comes from kind of like you had a lot of early childhood neglect. Were you a hothouse flower just kind of left
1: alone? Well, a hothouse flower would, would, I mean, that con- connotes to me someone who was coddled.
0: Cultivated. What's a hothouse flower? Just kind of something that blooms on its own, kind of like something oh. in the terrarium. Yeah. Okay.
1: okay. Well, I, I, then the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> I was just, I mean, you know, talk about self-will run riot. Mm-hmm. I i was my own parent and, you know, I could do whatever I wanted because nobody was watching. Hmm. And... It's interesting. I read uh, Sidney Poitier's autobiography and he talks about his early years being on his own and getting in really dangerous scrapes. And then getting himself out of them and the kind of confidence that builds in a child, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I would do the same thing. I would, like, climb a tree and I'd get the highest spot because I'm a man, damn it. You know, I am <laughs> uh, I I just wanted to – because I was short and I was thin and I didn't want to be thought of as weak. Right. But I had a fear of heights. Right. So also, I get playgrounds the, were dangerous
0: when we were kids. They were yeah. not built with padding. They were, like, dangerous. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah. There's a there's a the New York Times did an article recently about a, a playground in Germany. This sounds so German that teaches children risk assessment. Oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> It's a play, it's a playground that where you learn the dangers of heights or there will heights. be
1: consequences. But there, you <laughs> could
0: fall you, in this playground. You could fall and get hurt. And I do you remember like when we were kids that merry-go-round that spun around that was made out of metal? Yes. I remember that. And yeah. you get, if you got your
1: head clocked by that, or you jumped on it the <laughs> yeah. wrong time, it's it's the certain death. We always heard about kids getting their heads cracked open on the on the cement. Because the playgrounds uh, weren't padded.
2: Right. You mm-hmm. know, you
1: fall off the jungle gym and your head cracked open like yeah. little, little eggs. <laughs> so you say that that kind of gave you
0: a lot of confidence as a, as a
1: kid. I think it does. For any kid to survive something, to figure out how to survive a situation on your own, gives you an inherent confidence, mm-hmm. for better or worse. I mean, just it would have been better if it hadn't come Because of neglect.
2: Right. I was just going to say that's kind of like the dichotomy of it, because on one hand, it, of course, gives you so much of this confidence to know that you can rely on yourself. But then at what point do you learn that you can't rely on other people? And how much does that impact the interpersonal relationships and ability to be interdependent with, you know, uh, other people?
1: Well, as I'm learning through therapy, you know, that kind of neglect did affect my self esteem. Yeah. profoundly yeah. Mm. you know mm-hmm. and a child's sense of self-worth and even though i i never thought of it as being a trauma my therapist has said that's absolutely a trauma yeah you know my therapist said the same thing i mean because i minimize
0: everything i yes. minimize yes. it like like things that are a really big deal like oh that must have really hurt you i will go whatever let's move on yeah like because that's how i was raised that you know okay let me kiss it okay go yeah You know, because my parents had survived war. So anything a kid in the 70s could come up with, it's like, well, were you attacked by the Japanese today? Right. Right. Yes. Were you bayoneted in the eye? You weren't. So (laughs) (laughs) deal with it.
2: (laughs) Well, which is problematic, too, because trauma is not just the most extreme things, right? Like you're talking about, like real utter crisis. It can be anything where it feels as though that our sense of security is compromised at all. And it could literally be just having that kind of neglect that we're talking about. That is traumatizing. That has a traumatic effect on our nervous system and our body processes that as trauma. So, yes, trauma. I'm glad that we can validate that.
0: Now, Lorraine, when you say neglect, what does that look like as a kid? As Like, let's say 10 years old.
1: Just uh, nobody knows where I am Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, um, playing alone in my room, which, of course, you know, fostered uh, my imagination and my ability to uh, create a world for myself. I mean, I definitely know that there was an asset to that in a lot of ways. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it was also, you know, my dad was away at work and my mother was doing anything she could to not be home. Hmm. And deal with us. And wow. don't think I didn't take that personally. Yeah, I yeah. really did. Yeah. But, you know, I have a twin brother. And for the first four years of our life, my mother was sick. She had gotten, you know, hepatitis in the hospital when she delivered us. Uh, they gave her a hysterectomy because they were trying to deal with her depression. <laughs> they gave you hysterectomies. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. You that know.
0: For women routinely, I mean, that yeah. was like so archaic, but it
1: was like she has
0: the hysteria. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot to say yeah.
1: after us, she lost a baby. Oh, uh, he delivered the baby and then it died. Okay. Our so she's junior.
0: having to deal with two very young children at a time after having and experienced grieving, that trauma herself.
2: And she's grieving sick. and going through depression. And right. is having
1: and instant menopause, Yeah. you know, at gut, like 32 wow. or something. So she was dealing with a lot. a lot. But she also was a very talented and creative person and probably shouldn't have been a parent. Right. You know, mm, right. I think that she was not interested in children. Uh, And uh, that was palpable. And again, you know, I don't fault her. I really I know that she tried and I know that we were loved. Yeah, it's just that there was a lot of damage.
2: Yeah, there's no way at an early age as children, the world, the universe revolves around us. We personalize everything good or bad. So right. when there's a lot of neglect that's happening, like you're describing, of course you're going to personalize that. It somehow feels like, mm-hmm. why am I not? At, why am I not enough for my parents to love me, to be able to kind of like be happy that I'm here, to want to be better or do better? And we make it's it about fun. us.
0: Yeah. Children have no way of not taking things personally. Yeah, they know? should be like a thing. Like the new parenting thing is don't take this personally. (laughs) Get in a kid's face, teamster style of a cigarette. Say, listen, this isn't about you. Relax. (laughs) I'm going to tell you in advance what you're going to hear from your therapist 30 years from now. It's nothing personal. But what you're saying, Matthew, is true is that children don't have the ability to process things of like, this isn't my fault. Or I mean, everything's your fault as a kid.
2: Yeah, they haven't developed that part of their cognitive processing yet where they can actually, uh, you know, kind of like step outside of themselves, be able to evaluate things, things that we're talking about as adults. We now have evidence that we can, you know, point of references that we can uh, get back to and remind ourselves to manage. I'm
1: still just learning object permanence. (laughs) (laughs) My imaginary
0: world, Lorraine, growing up was the television because you said earlier in your interview, the television is your boyfriend. I love that.
1: Uh, um, my TV is my boyfriend now. Now. Yeah. I would
0: memorize <laughs> television commercial copy as a kid. Really? I would like. Uh, Do you
2: remember any? Is yes, there you any might you find remember?
0: this hard to believe, but this much Clorox too cleans as much <laughs> as this much Downey. Now, oh if you say, God. you've, you've got to be kidding, send us a letter with your name and address saying, you've got to be kidding, and we'll send you a free sample just to prove it.
1: <laughs> Remember. Oh, my God. Yeah.
2: Um, Hot mess, sponsored by Clorox. Right.
1: I would. <laughs> what is that sound? What is that sound? Oh, it sounds there's like construction going on
2: back there. I'm a rich
0: white lady. <laughs> I'm building an apartment in the backyard. Are um, you Really? Yeah. We're turning our garage into an additional dwelling unit. How fabulous.
1: How exciting. Um,
0: I would watch uh, my favorite show was the $20,000 pyramid and I would see Rita Moreno uh, or, you know, all the Nipsey Russell, all those wonderful people. And I would think, or Hollywood squares. And I would think that is the pinnacle of show business. (laughs) If you get to be on a game show and it never occurred to me as a kid, like Rita Moreno was an Oscar winning actress and she's on the $20,000. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Probably really grateful for the gig. So post post SNL, you shut down and you regroup and then what what is the first thing that you do that like okay, this is my reinvent. This is the thing that takes me into the next phase.
1: Well, of course, that would that would imply that I have any kind of planning capabilities, which no, I, I do not. But I did have small children. <laughs> And mm-hmm. I had a wonderful manager, Lori Feig, who is Paul Feig's wife. Yes. And she uh, said, you know, you should be doing voiceover because you do characters and you do dialects. You can sound like a kid. You can sound like an old person. So she got me an agent. And Wait, I Lorraine, Sorry,
2: can, can, you, uh, can you do any of that? Can you, like, give us a little sample? <laughs> Damn,
1: <laughs> let, dance, me monkey. Think. <laughs> let me just think if I can. I I don't know. And a leakage. Um, <laughs> That's part of that four-octave range Brian. you've been hearing yeah. so much yeah. about. Oh, somebody's an LOLing on the chat. <laughs> they're elo- is- they're LOLing. Um, <laughs> but it was perfect. And I auditioned for two years and just got, like, bit parts. Mm. I was not getting a series. And then I studied with Charlie Adler. I took his class. And Chris Zimmerman was also the teacher there. And after that, I never stopped working. And I feel so grateful for that. And it is the best job. It's the perfect job for me. Because when I audition, and this is another thing I think you might find interesting, Matthew. Well, I know you will. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Is that when nobody's looking at me, I don't have that audition fear. Yeah. It's when, oh. I, when people are looking at me, it's almost like, you know, the camera is the rejecting eye, right. you know, right. but when, I, when I'm when i auditioning for voiceover, I have no fear at all. Yeah.
0: I had a dog who was like that, who couldn't poop <laughs> when what? I was watching.
1: What are you trying like, to he'd say? He'd be
0: like, excuse me, privacy, I'm pooping. <laughs> and the minute I turned away, he would just poop.
2: Because yes. <laughs> And Lorraine, I can praise him afterwards, just like
0: Alex you are, Dog. you can't, I can't, we can't watch Lorraine Newman poop. It's too personal. Um, it's too intimate. Performance No, but anxieties. there's something about the autonomy of the voiceover too. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the solitude of it and being able to come up with it. And then some, does somebody just come in and give you a note like louder, faster, softer?
1: Well, usually you, you audition at your agency. But now, you mm-hmm. know, that I have the equipment, I can do it at home, and I it's just wonderful. send my auditions yeah. in. It's
0: wonderful.
1: And if you're lucky enough to be on a show where the whole cast records together, oh. that's like a radio show, and it's just oh, its so I much fun. Nice. And I yeah. love yeah. the people in this community. They're just yeah. the most dazzlingly talented, kindest, funniest people You'll ever yeah. meet. I was oh, with a very, awesome.
0: very fancy voiceover agency for two years, but I was competing against a lot of big stars. And I think when I when they went with Glenn Close instead of me, um, <laughs> <laughs> they started to get really frustrated and they dropped me after two years. But yeah. I would love to. Yeah. Charlie Adler, does he still teach?
1: Yes. Yeah. He's, mm. a, he's like Mel Blanc. I mean, he's in everything. Genius. And he's yeah. also a director. But he's incredibly funny yeah. and yeah. I highly recommend him and Chris. I think that Charlie teaches without Chris now. She's just a director, just a director. She directs a lot of stuff at Nickelodeon. Yeah.
2: Lorraine, I actually I relate actually to what you're talking about, um, because I like I know for myself when I'm doing therapy, obviously I'm doing it all virtual now. So, uh, you know, on Zoom and things like that. Um, but if some reason there's a kind of a tech issue or my client can't get on it, well, I'll just say like, let's just do a phone session. And there is something so magical for me as the therapist, just doing a phone session. Cause I just pop my AirPods in, I lay on the couch and all I have to focus on is just like the pure content of what I'm putting out. I don't have to be engaged in terms of all the nonverbal cues and making sure that I'm nodding. So they know that I'm paying attention and I'm connected to like all that extra stuff is out. And I can just, like hone in and like laser-like focus on the actual content of what we're talking about. So I get it.
1: I, I need eye contact. Yeah.
0: I can't come unless you're looking right into my eyes. I have to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Where well, are my happen. pearls? I have to clutch them. Yeah. I, I
0: have, <laughs> I need to, I, I don't think I could I don't, I don't, I love my therapist. We've been together for 75 years, but yeah. uh, I, I don't think I could talk to him on the phone. I would imagine really? him like playing golf or playing solitaire on the computer. Just going, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> when I talk to my therapist on the phone, I'm playing solitaire. Uh, so, you know, and I thought about what you were saying, Matthew, how frustrated it, you know, how obviously you don't get frustrated if people don't follow what you're trying to help them do. I, I just have such empathy for my therapist because I, I can't imagine that at some point she just didn't go, God damn it. You know, uh, it's just, mm. I've said this to you 50,000 times. We've been working for seven years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's
2: once in a blue moon, if I'm just really having a day and it's like a client that I have, you know, we've been working together forever. So, you know, we have that relationship. I'll be like, are right, we right. fucking still talking about this? <laughs> I, because I don't want to hear about it. Change the topic. <laughs> I can't hear about it. Let's talk about something else. I'm not doing this today. Oh not today. Oh my God.
1: I okay. Can't. And here's uh, My therapist's version of that
0: is, he goes, what are you doing? what are you doing? <laughs> because I, I perseverate. I will just get into this, this spiral of like yeah. whoa, 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 where I'm just kind of thinking negatively negatively. And he's like, we've talked about this. Tell yourself a different story. You're you, uh, you, you make your, a lot of your drama is self-created that you, right. you don't need to be doing this.
2: Yeah. You well, know, my people- free floating anxiety. People, people get caught. We, this is just how our brains work. We tell ourselves stories because that's just how we function. That's how we kind of try to, you know, create an illusion that we can predict the future and, and what's happening. And we give it meaning all of that. And so when we get caught in a cycle and in a loop of like the same kind of story, sometimes you need to just be like, stop it, stop yeah, it. You but know? I, and, I grew up during pause. the
0: age of the disaster film. So that's what's playing in my head. Uh the Towering Inferno, right. Poseidon Adventure, Earthquake.
2: Catastrophizing, we yeah, call that. With yes. uh
0: Charles uh, Nel- uh Charles Nelson Riley in Earthquake. <laughs> oh my god, it's shaking. I mean, I mean... Um, <laughs> Charlton Heston. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god!
1: Uh, <laughs> oh. I love that you're working from home. That is like that's that's my dream. Well, no, I'm back in the studio now. Thank goodness. Oh great! Oh. But for auditions, I do at home.
0: Yeah, me too. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and the that. ability to just kind of like, are you doing like on camera stuff at home? I mean, I would imagine like if you were doing that, then you'd be able to like have the autonomy you needed.
1: The last thing I did, I was in Chile doing Losa Spookies <gasps> and it was just because they oh. gave me the role, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Julio Torres. He I said, love
2: Julio Torres. By the way, I'm so obsessed. Great. He's genius, so
1: talented. And I, and I said, "God, this I this is so easy." He says, "Yes, I wrote it with you in mind." And she's like a horrible bitch. And <laughs> the character was just like crazy, and oh my god, I had so much fun with it. Yeah. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah, that is yeah. just just to hear something that um that something was written for you.
1: Well, not I would say he wrote it with me in mind, not for me, but just you know.
2: Did you work with Fred Armisen also?
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm friends with Fred. We, I'm trying to think of how we became— f- Oh, I know how we became friends. When the 40th anniversary of SNL was going to happen, mm-hmm. I had always wanted to be in the Californian sketch. I just thought that my Valley <laughs> oh, yeah. girl would be yes. perfect. Yeah. And so I called Lauren. I said, I don't know if you guys are going to do sketches. I, I was really at the beginning stages. I'm sure they hadn't planned on anything at that point. I said— if you do the Californians, please consider letting me do Sherry in the sketch yeah, as the matriarch. Yeah, you're, you're soap on YouTube
0: operas, right now, yeah. there's a there's a your SNL audition where you were doing Sherry. Oh yeah, where you're doing like the, the Californian character, the original, the OG Californian character.
1: Right. Well, um, I just please, you know, consider it because you know a lot of these soap operas have a matriarch, and I thought yeah. it'd be funny. If she's a matriarch. So I thought this will never happen. So Fred calls me. He says, "Let's get together and write." So, you know, several days in my kitchen, we we wrote. They didn't use anything that no. we wrote, <laughs> but we had so much fun, and we became friends after that.
2: Oh my god, I, I love, love that. that!
1: You know, it's so uh, Lorraine has an extraordinary
0: um, uh, audible book right now. I Maybe mean, you live in interesting times. Nine hours of her life, you can yes, give nine hours of your life to Lorraine and also the, your interview with Mark Marin, It was kind of like you know. Everybody, it's like Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, people. I started out with him in the comedy <laughs> yeah. store, and I he would always bomb
1: when he was a, a prop act. Yeah, <laughs> a prop he was drama. doing Carrot
0: tops act before yeah. Carrot tops yeah. was. And there I was, two a.m. It was me and Penny Marshall and Abraham Lincoln <laughs> having a pastrami sandwich next door. Um, you, you literally know everyone. It's just kind of like the litany of people that Mark would go through, every single comedian and Groundling's performer. I mean, because you were original Groundling.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, but I knew these people before they were famous, mm-hmm. you know. And what I've been really pleased to see the uh, reviews on Audible for the Amazon and Audible reviews, everybody is saying she n- drops so many names, but it's okay because she knows them. They're her friends. Yeah. You know, uh, nobody's saying it in a pejorative way, which I'm so relieved because this is my life. These are my friends. Yeah. These are the people I started out with or I met along the way and have remained friends and they just happen to be famous. And I'm very lucky because, you know, uh, unless you're crazy – then I want no part of you. I don't care how talented you are because I am too old for crazy, honey. <laughs> too
0: not old inc- for crazy. Not interesting. I, I have a certain degree of tolerance for crazy. I don't have a tolerance for mean. Mean, crazy. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I can spot that a mile away and I, I, I do a U-turn and I drive in the other direction to hit the gas.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: well, that's healthy. Yeah. Mean crazy. Um, Lorraine, this has been, we've come to the end of our, our beautiful program. And, oh, boy. And,
1: and I've been so happy to be a hot mess. We've, <laughs>
0: we, we, we've delved deep. We, I feel as if I know you better, because I was very intimidated when I met you for the first time, because I, I, I had such a, a reverence for you and, and your accomplishments. and You disguised
1: and, it well. Do
0: yourself a favor, dear listeners, uh, Fall down a Lorraine Newman rabbit hole on the YouTubes. Uh, your sketch with um, Lily Tomlin on The Lily Tomlin Show from 1974. Oh, my gosh. Um, the sketch with Madeleine Kahn that Marilyn Miller wrote about mm-hmm. the little yes. girls. I mean, these are Summer comedy party. gems Aww. that still stand up today. Um, I know the words to Chevy. I love when you fall oh, down oh my Saturday God. night on my TV. That's how deep it goes. Unbelievable.
1: <laughs> oh, Alex. Super about fan. how much I
0: adore you. Um, Thank you. Where can people find you on the socials?
1: Well, dear, I'm on the Instagram at Lorraine <laughs> Newman. L-A-R-E-I-N-E-N-E-W-M-A-N I'm on Twitter with the same handle I have a private Facebook account But youngsters don't even go on that <laughs> And my website has been hacked So Your website's, ignore that. Your website's been hacked Yes it has well, Those varmints don't know who they're dealing with Those no varmints I know <laughs>
0: <laughs> would you, uh, we also end each um show with, with a hot message for uh from our 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 stellar guests. So uh given that the subject today is longevity, what would be your hot message for people out there who want to um exist as long as you have and thrive? Oh my
1: god. Well, take good care of yourself and stay interested.
0: Mm. Ah, I love that. Yes. I love that. Lorraine, I love you.
1: I'll I love you, you too, soon. Alec.
0: Hopefully you will see you out there. Thank yes. you so much for being on the program. Thanks Thank for you, asking Lorraine. me. Nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you. Isn't she lovely? Isn't oh she just God. like? I mean, wasn't that? Aren't you totally? It like I'm like a Tex Avery cartoon right now with like hearts coming out of my face. <laughs> <phase. laughs> um, I just love her. I think yeah, she's so talented and 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 uh, and and wise. What is yeah. your hot message for the day?
2: Uh, um, I guess I would say <laughs> hot stuff. <laughs> I would say uh, I would say my hot message. I guess kind of piggybacking off of Lorraine too, which is uh, set your intentions. Why are you doing what you're doing, right? Is, and what's the passion in it? What's like truly what makes you light up about what you're doing and mm. make sure that that's the thing that you're setting as the thing to follow. Cause if you're attached to outcome and people's validation and the need to get the job and all that stuff, you are know, gonna drive yourself crazy, but uh, setting your intention, right? That's the thing that makes it sustainable.
0: You're right. Because I've like, I've said yes to things that had no money. That I, but I was like, that's they sound like fun, and I want to hang out with them. And I made no money, but I made good friends, and it was a fantastic experience, and it helped me to grow as a person, and it led to other things. Yes. Now, having said that, I do like money a lot, so (laughs) I don't work for free. Everybody, if it's a shitty script, I'm gonna say no. Um, Yeah, just kind of like what Matthew said. I'm gonna piggyback on that. Piggyback. I swallow my words. I'm like Porky Pig. (laughs) Piggyback on that because you're big um uh, just say yes when your internal compass says yes yeah yeah where can people find you on your socials big
2: boy you can find me at mj dempsey psych on instagram and twitter and matthew j dempsey psychotherapy on facebook
0: you're about to travel, so use sunscreen. You're very yes. tan right now, so take <laughs> care of that skin. You can find me at Alec Mapa on the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we love bringing this broadcast to you week after week podcast broadcast. Yes. Don't forget to download and subscribe. We are, gonna, we are out to save the world one hot mess at a time. <laughs> so uh, tune in next week for more hot mess fun.
2: We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, LaFern Cusack, and Stephanie Kayson. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatti. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Orenigay, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.